0: Blue line leaves it. Kale McCarr winds, fires,
1: Score! Now Rubidoux, top of the near circle, pass far side, wide open net. What a save made by Philip Grubauer. Just outstanding stuff. I am Grub. And oh. Zadorov smash! <laughs> oh my
0: goodness! Yeah. What a bone crushing hit by Nikita Zadorov!
1: And Howard has no idea what day it is, what time zone he's in, and he is slowly making his way towards the bench. Hello and welcome into another episode of Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook app i am your host jj Derez. with me of course today is the man the myth Arif dean we're coming to you on the tail end of that big game three win such a roller coaster of a game just ahead of game four and of course we're going to get all into that as soon as we can but of course there's more there's more pressing matters in society right now and for that erif i'm going to let you take the mic
0: thanks jj so i just wanted to say a couple things about uh Everything that unfolded yesterday regarding the NBA sitting out for the day, which is something that has not happened since the days of Martin Luther King Jr. Um, and how it all unfolded in regards to the NHL. Um, forgive me for the rant, but you know, despite the exciting game that we had yesterday, I just felt like this was something we had to talk about. So obviously the news comes out that the NBA is sitting out the day, possibly the season. Granted, that was confirmed this morning that they are going to be finishing the year. They're just going to sit out yesterday's games and today Thursday's games so the MLB the MLS and the WNBA all join in so not only does the NHL continue as normal but just as the news breaks and just as that commotion starts to ramp up the San Jose Sharks Twitter account found that to be the right time to condemn violence against Logan Couture who seemingly was at a bar in Toronto the night before and claims to have been sucker punched for openly representing the Republican Party and mentioning Donald Trump by name I mean, read the room. <laughs> like, I don't know how often we have to tell the NHL to read the room. I'm not going to argue the Couture situation. I'm not going to defend him getting punched, or nor am I going to incite violence against him or anyone anywhere. But can we please, as a league, read the room? I mean, in this moment, at this time, like at that specific time, was that the time to release a statement? Was that the time for the Sharks to, to talk about the Couture situation? Because... As far as I can see it, the NBA is going to be in the history books one day. One day, our kids are going to read about it in elementary school. They're going to read about this rise for anti-racism and other social justice issues, and they're going to read about the NBA and LeBron and Tacumpo and all these guys. Meanwhile, the NHL is not going to be anywhere to be found. One day in the future, my kids are going to ask me about the league I cover during this historic moment, and I'll have nothing to share other than a hashtag we skate for campaign that Most of the teams aren't even using for social justice issues. And yesterday during the Tampa Bay Boston game, 20 seconds of 27 seconds, sorry, of silence for Jacob Blake on a day where the top players and teams in the NBA were boycotting a playoff game, which is a historic moment in sports. So this is the same league, as we may know, that had to send Mike Milbury home from his job at NBC last week because of misogynistic comments. This is the same league that had to fire Jeremy Roenick months ago from his job at NBC for his sexualized comments toward a co-worker and now get this Jeremy Roenick is trying to sue NBC for anti-straight discrimination listen to that again he is suing NBC for anti-straight discrimination the NBA is fighting for equality and one of the biggest names of our generation in hockey is suing NBC for anti-straight discrimination so like I want to say I'm over it but I'm really not and I never will be i know jj your roots are from spain my parents are from iraq i'm muslim ryan clark of the athletic everybody's favorite avalanche journalist nowadays he's perhaps the most prominent name in that press box uh he's black and uh you know this league can't do any more to support him to support you me kadri belmar dumba the anti-discrimination uh the hockey discrimination alliance like it is what it is at this point and uh I hope the NHL wants to be on the right side of history, and I hope the players that want to be on the right side of history continue to fight the good fight. Uh, I hope Brian Clark continues to write the stories he's writing. I hope to be a part of the battle, and maybe one day the NHL won't be the privileged, predominantly white sport it's always been. Maybe one day it could be more inclusive, and maybe one day it can read the room and actually put its words to actions and not feel like it's just obligated to, to, to mention Black Lives Matter or hashtag end racism or hashtag we skate for or 27 seconds of silence for Jacob Blake just because people feel like they should. That's all I have to say. Let me hear your thoughts and then let's get to the hockey.
1: Yeah, well said. Obviously, there's a time to talk about this and, and this is that time. Um, you know, f- forgive us if this isn't your cup of tea. You could easily fast forward through this. I'm not surprised that the NHL is tone deaf on this. I don't think anybody is just because historically that's the way they do things. But I, what I do find okay is the fact that they decided to move forward with their games last night. The reason I say that is because, of course, I'm all for the the change and the education that's happening and the change that's being demanded more so than the change that's happening I'm all aboard that. I'm very pro-hockey diversity alliance. I think hockey culture needs to change, and I love the fact that players are using their pedestals for good. What I don't understand, though, is what is meant to be accomplished by missing games. I just don't think that really serves much of a purpose whatsoever. I mean, the game is just the game, and and if they want to come out after the game and like we saw every single player last night do and denounce racism and make their stance heard. I'm 100% for that, but when it comes to playing the game itself, why is it such a bad thing that they decided to play? Why, Why do the NBA players, the MLS players, MLB players feel that not playing is going to make any sort of difference this way or another? Because in my opinion... A basketball game doesn't have much to do with the situations at hand. Yes, it's definitely, like I said, great that they're using their pedestal for it. But the game itself, I think, can be left alone. It's as simple as this.
0: This doesn't really matter as much for the NHL. But this is how it is about the NBA. Black people don't have to entertain you while you advocate for their inequality. That's a post I saw yesterday on Twitter uh, or on Instagram, sorry, and that is the best way to explain it. If you're LeBron James, everybody's wearing your jersey. Every guy who is not in support of Black Lives Matter, every guy who may be racist, every guy who may be a white supremacist, every guy who may be on the wrong side of history has your jersey with the number 23 or the number 26 on it, and you're out here busting ass playing basketball for their entertainment in order to incite change you have to do things that change culture change action just like nazim kadri said yesterday eventually the words the the hockey operations that we do before games eventually none of that matters if you're not actually taking action so by sitting out an nba game by sitting out an mlb game by sitting out a hockey game even as a you know predominantly white sport you're saying to these people your everyday lives that you live cannot continue And you are not going to be able to watch the football that you love, the basketball that you love, the hockey that you love if you're not going to change. And that's just the reality. That's how you incite change. You incite change by putting people in uncomfortable situations. And what's more uncomfortable than taking sports away from someone? You take it away from someone until you realize do good, be good, do better, be better, or you're not going to have this thing that you love. And that's, to me, is the best way that players can use their platform To incite change. And I don't think it's something where you should actually cancel the rest of the NBA playoffs. And I'm glad they're not. I don't think it's something that the NHL necessarily even yesterday had to sit out its games. I just think that the NHL always does this thing where they're one step behind. They have to wait for something to go wrong before they allowed Matt Dumba and the Hockey Diversity Alliance to take part in their pregame. They have to wait until people talk badly about them before they say, oh, no, 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 wait, we can fix this. And I just felt like that was the case yesterday. It wasn't necessarily that they didn't sit out the games. It was just necess- It was more of the fact that they took an approach where it was like completely ignoring it. And 27 seconds of, of, of remembrance for Jacob Blake only in the Eastern Conference game, not even in the Avalanche Stars game, uh, it just felt like they were doing it more because they were obligated. And at that point, doing nothing would have, would have looked and sounded better for the NHL than doing something so small and minuscule. But that's my opinion on it. Not playing games incites change because it takes something away from people and it says you can't have dessert until you finish your vegetables.
1: I just think the people that they're trying to affect don't care. I think the people that they were looking to incite to make change probably went to bed nice and early and didn't miss a wink of sleep because they couldn't watch basketball they couldn't watch LeBron James throw down some dunks so you know I just don't think the game itself has any relevance I, I understand your point a hundred percent and I understand there's ripple effects too where you know sponsorships start to get affected the owners the economy start to get affected. yes the of economy course. starts to take a hit a lot of
0: people work in concessions and do things obviously we have none of that right now because of the pandemic but there's a lot of people that trickle down effect hits a lot of people and it's going to eventually hit the people that yes they're adults they're stubborn they may or may not ever want to change but you're going to pay for your stance you're going to pay for this country's systemic racism and you're going to pay for that until it changes and if that means you know ruining a wednesday night of basketball and like you said they probably just went to sleep as if nothing happened then then so be it the nuggets are are supposed to play today game game six they're down three to two in a series and there's probably a bunch of pissed off denver nuggets fans in, in denver right now thinking oh great so now we don't get to play today now we have to wait till maybe saturday maybe sunday what the hell the series has been ruined their flow is gone the momentum from game five is gone little things like that matter um To what extent i don't know so i do agree with you on that point but that's basically the point that i wanted to make on this
1: yeah the nugget season was ruined long long before today i I promise you that but (laughs) my last thing on this before we move on to the actual series is and again just the fact that i'm not okay with people bashing the nhl for not skipping their games as we look directly at the avalanche stars game last night tyler sagan jason dickinson Nazem Kadri, pierre Ward, Bellemare, all have been vocal about the issues at hand, and they all still continue to be vocal. They Landis pl- too. They all played last night, right? They all played. Yeah, correct. Are we saying that those, those four or five guys are now racist for playing? No, not at all. They're going to continue no, to make not. their voices heard. They're going yeah. to continue to fight the good fight, and I don't think that has anything to do with the fact that they played a hockey game for two hours last night. But I do get both sides of the point again just uh, just my opinion here yeah and
0: I, i i not i'm not and maybe it came off as such in my original stance or rant if you want to call it that but i'm not necessarily advocating for the nhl to have to skip yesterday's games i'm just advocating for the fact that they once again did a terrible job at reading the room at at being part of the solution and and Trying their hardest to ignore the situation, but being forced into not ignoring it is just the way that it's just a vibe that I keep getting from the NHL with anything like this. Um, but you know, I, I, I've i already made those statements clear. I have no problem with the games being played last night. Um, and it was a hell of a game, honestly. And I'm excited to talk about it because it was really fun to watch.
1: As the NHL's popularity isn't exactly the highest in America, too, I think they're put in a tough spot because they might see an opportunity. Okay, all the other sports aren't playing tonight. Well, maybe we got a chance to catch some ratings and catch some viewers that we otherwise wouldn't get. But then when the MLS, who is probably a lot less popular than the NHL, decides to cancel. And the WNBA. Mm -hmm. The
0: WNBA missing games could ultimately fold the league. So it's just not ever a good look. They could have played the games yesterday and, and addressed the situation in a far better way. They just did not do that. In what way? I I I can't tell you. I I don't get paid enough money. That's out of my pay grade to know how they could have done that, but they didn't do it properly. That's that's all I know.
1: Well, moving on. Well, we did see a hockey game get played last night, it was a freaking roller coaster. What a game! Forever. I cannot believe they won that game. They're they're
0: they're not out of the woods yet. But holy, like I I know I'm cutting you off, but damn, what a
1: game! Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they went up early you thought okay they're going to get this one done and suddenly in the matter of just a short time everything fell apart and once again just like the previous couple of games i you know i keep tweeting about it and it reminds me of that that's that quote in the movie the replacements right where J- shane falco is talking about quicksand and how suddenly everything goes wrong for you in a game and no matter how much you struggle or fight things just keep getting worse for you and worse for you and you dig deeper and deeper hole that's what the avalanche have been doing to themselves lately and it's tough for them it it sounds like to even figure out and pinpoint what the issue actually is I mean I think yesterday we saw a bit of desperate times you know they were backs against the wall so Jared Bednar pulled out some desperate measures and I I don't think he was certain it was going to work but he said we got to try something different and I think the main thing was shaking up the defensive combinations I mean we had a couple guys playing in different roles so how do you think that was handled and and you know obviously it worked out but do you like the way the defensive group played last night i like the
0: fact that jared bedner did this thing where we're not gonna play it like it's an ea sports nhl 20 game where you have the line combination set and they stay that way he played it very situa- situationally situationally that's a hard word to say in the sense where even on the forward core we saw it so when the avalanche had an offensive zone face off maybe after a long dallas shift it was McKinnon, Rantanen, and Landeskog, and on the point, it was Makar Gerard. Usually, he does that late in the third period of a comeback game, but he did it early. Uh, if it was a defensive zone faceoff, you saw two defensive guys. If it was something in the neutral zone, just a regular shift for the top line, it was Burakovsky with Rantanen and McKinnon. It was Landeskog playing on the line with Kadri. So he sort of switched things up. And went with the flow of the game. He sort of tried his hardest, even though he didn't have last change yesterday because the Avalanche were the quote away team. They still, he did a good job of playing the Dallas Stars and putting the guys on the ice that could take on what Dallas is doing in that moment. So if it's a defensive zone faceoff in the Dallas zone, they might be tired. Their fourth line might be pinned into the zone after an icing. Let's put Gerard and McCarr out there. Let's put the top three out there and let's hammer them in. So I like the way he did that.
1: I think it was a huge challenge for him, honestly. I think it took about halfway through the game till he really got comfortable with that last change. I mean, you saw it a couple times. He'll throw a line out there. Suddenly, Dallas throws you know, their top line against the fourth line, and all the fourth line gets to do for the Avalanche is take the face off, get it deep, and get off the ice. A nice little eight-second shift there. So there were a couple times where I thought Jared Bednar got a little thrown off by that fact, that matchup fact. And I, I want to get into a little bit about matchups because I think that's the biggest issue right now. Out here in avalanche land is we're all feeling like the avalanche suddenly aren't the team we know but I think the biggest issue here is just the fact that Dallas matches up well. I mean matching up is such an important piece in hockey. That's why they make a rule directly for it like you're saying the last change rule for the for the away team. So we see Dallas they were a tough matchup for the Avalanche all season long. So I don't think any of us should really be surprised by the fact that Dallas suddenly, you know, is beating them. I don't think it speaks to how great Dallas is and I don't think it speaks to how bad The avalanche are i think they're both really solid teams the avalanche are better have a lot of skill but they're just facing up uh, against a team that just matches up against them well simply it's it's something i completely underestimated before the series began is
0: just how good of an opponent dallas is to colorado and 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 how much stronger they became with the fact that they suddenly can score goals. I mean, we've we've said this before. Unlike other sports, I mean, it takes one hot game from Eli Manning to beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl twice. It takes a hot week to eliminate a team in four games. It takes a hot two weeks to win a series that maybe you were not, you know, deserved to win and nine times out of 10, you wouldn't win. But that's the point that Dallas is at right now. It's not that the Avalanche have been playing bad. It's that Dallas has, well, the Avalanche have had some issues. I'm not going to downplay that. But Dallas is operating on all cylinders right now. Everybody is scoring. Everybody is pitching in. Their offense, their defense, their top guys are scary. Every friggin' time, Pavelski, Radulov, Sagan, Ben, Rupe, Hints. every time these guys are on the ice, you're worried they're gonna score. Denis Gurianov, who's got seven goals. So they've caught the Avs at a great time. And uh the fact that the Avalanche are dealing with the same injuries they dealt with in the regular season, first it was Grubauer, then it was Calvert, then it was Donskoy, then it was uh Nemesnikov, then he came back and now it's uh Zadorov and then Eric Johnson. It's something the Avalanche are used to and it's something they've been fighting through all season, but it's just it's it's everything is lining up for Dallas to have all the breaks in the series. The Avalanche finally caught a break of like a four-minute span where they were able to turn that game around. Well, a minute and a half for for Rantanen and then for Kadri to score the go-ahead goal. But this is going to be a tough one, man. The Avalanche are not out of the woods. Game four is not guaranteed. This is going to be a hard series for them to win. They have to dig deep and really gut this one out because all of the signs and all of the things that are happening are pointing toward a picture-perfect ending for the Dallas Stars.
1: I think so far what we've seen is just the simple fact that the goaltending isn't going to win you this series. The defense isn't going to win you this series. It's all on the forward shoulders right now. And the first couple games where the depth scoring wasn't there, that's when you really saw saw them start to squirm and struggle. But last night when the the goal scoring was set off by by the depth guys and even Zadorov gets in there with a goal, we've said it a hundred times and we just see it Every, every single game that this happens, Nathan McKinnon suddenly gets to exhale a little bit and instead of going pointless throughout the night, he starts producing, starts giving up a beautiful assist to, to Miko Rantanen, where otherwise I feel like even on that two-on-one situation, he would have walked in and tried to score it himself. So the depth scoring, we, we, we know how important it is, but it's, it's more important this series more than ever just because I don't think you're getting that help from the goaltending nor the back end
0: and and i love that you tweeted that yesterday that mckinnon was sort of feeling like he had to do it all himself cuz that's the best way to explain nathan mckinnon when he's put in these situations where he's the only one that's that's playing good which he has been before game 3 uh he's put in those situations where he feels like he needs to do it all he can't rely on his teammates he needs to be superman and sometimes or most times it shoots him in the foot and before that zadorov goal yesterday you could tell he was going down that path, and then he started to exhale a little bit. He rounded up his game. He he had a couple of assists. He didn't try to force anything, and he played well. And he was able to rely on his teammates. And it's great to have that. So it's it's a lot more important for the Avalanche's depth scoring to continue to pro, to produce because it also puts McKinnon in a place where he can be comfortable and produce and be the player that he's
1: that we know him to be. And not. That- Can't discredit the the Dallas Stars. I mean, we came into this series and I mentioned how they're going to have to play a similar defensive style to the Coyotes if they want to stop the potency of this offense. Well, I think they've done just that. They've been protecting the house really well, really limiting the avalanches, threatening scoring chances. And the most frustrating thing about this series is... I just think the avalanche are in their heads, going back to the conversation we had about them being somewhat mentally weak, because you're seeing them get these chances, and what are they doing? They're missing the net by, by three, four feet. They're going above the crossbar. They're going wide, and that's just, a, a I think, a, a problem for a team that's in their own head. And, again, I want to circle back on that conversation because we did discuss it before the series, and I want to see kind of how you assess what they've done so far from a mental standpoint. Do you think this team has what it takes to keep that mental strength together to not only get through this series, but they're not even halfway through the playoffs here yet?
0: What I saw from them yesterday uh, proves to me and shows me that they can do it. I don't know if they're going to do it, but they can do it they have faced a ton of adversity in this series a lot of it was self-inflicted a lot of it is injury related a lot of it is the fact that you're facing the hottest team in the league right now in terms of scoring and sometimes that's hard to push back on especially when your top goalie gets hurt in the first game 10 minutes in so it's been a bit of a challenge but I, i can't express enough how big it is for this team that after giving up three goals in the third period leading three to one For the second game in a row, you give up a two-goal lead to a team that didn't score a lot of goals in the regular season. You were still able to not only respond, tie the game, win the game, and add an empty netter and cover the puck line for those gambling. (laughs) Not only were you able to come back and do that, but it was an instant response. Dallas scored. It was Blake Como. He tied the game. Dallas scored again. They took the lead. The Avalanche came back and responded a minute 15 later. After that response a minute fifty two later for the game winning goal. After that, they tried to shut it down. France had to make a couple saves. Belmar added an empty net instantly when the net was pulled with a minute and a half left. Belmar added the empty netter so fast that I was like, crap, there's still a minute thirty-four left. Dallas is gonna tie this game six six, so we're gonna go to overtime. So they they battled that adversity. And let's not remember let's not forget when Dallas scored that game winning or the go-ahead goal from Jamie Ben, there was nine minutes and thirteen seconds left. That's not a lot of time. Not a lot of time for a team that had only five goals in the first two games and then three goals up to that point in the game but now you're at a point where the avalanche in these last two periods they had a tough first period again yesterday they were down one nothing but in these last two periods they've scored six goals in the first seven periods they scored five they have six goals in the last two periods granted one of them was an empty netter but that is something to build on the mental fortitude like you like to say that they had to have in order to come back and win that game in regulation in the way that they did took a lot, and I think it's something to build off of. But at the same time, Dallas is a strong team, and they could come back and respond in Game 4 and just shatter all your dreams. So that next game is going to be so pivotal. We already knew this, but even more so just because of the battles within this game.
1: I think the Avalanche got lucky in Game 3. I think they were this far away from snapping, and suddenly Nikita Zadorov gets a floppy little, you know, kind of, kind of a, kind of a garbage it. goal. It was a knuckle puck. I,
0: I, I have to mention that first minute, because Zadorov scored at nineteen zero zero, so he scored exactly a minute into the second period. The Avalanche's top line against Dallas's top line. Dallas won the faceoff, took it into the Avalanche zone, and were pressing, pressing, pressing. McKinnon was pinned in his zone with Rantanen and Landeskog for about forty five seconds, well thirty five seconds. At the end of their shift, McKinnon was able to will the puck back out, bring it deep into the zone, and get a shot on net, and let him cover it, let Hodobin cover the puck. That was huge. Because on the ensuing faceoff, Kadri won it back to Zadorov' goal. It's a 1-1 game. Nick McKinnon's shift, the way it ended, where it was a wasted shift in terms of where you want your top guys to be in the offensive zone, but the fact that he was able, when he's gassed, and we know how McKinnon in when he's gassed, he's like an unplugged controller. He goes from 100 to 0 real quick. The fact that he was able to wheel the puck out of the defensive zone, not ice it, not dump it in, but bring it in and let Hidobin cover it, was monumental. So it was lucky, but it was it was
1: well played but that's more to my point it was mckinnon feeling like he had to do it all he had to take it from one end of the ice and get it all the way to a shot he didn't have to
0: he didn't have to do it all he just had to do half the work and then kadri won a clean face off which is a big part zadorov had a nice shot which is a big part with traffic in front of the net this is what you want from mckinnon you want him to be the reason why you win but not the only reason, and that goal
1: he was not the only reason, but he was part of the reason. I understand your point, and you're being very positive about this, and I love that. But I gotta take it the <laughs> other way, and he. Oh, I, it's
0: how we always he, are.
1: He was still feeling that pressure to get it done, and luckily, that Zadorov goal went in. He got to exhale. Burakovsky puts one in shortly after, and suddenly McKinnon's a new man. But before that goal, before that Nikita Zadorov goal, you're seeing the team really close to snapping and being frustrated and, you know, just getting after each other, I I would say. And then you go back to game two all the way to the five-on-three that they had, and I think that's what really broke them. They had just gotten scored on on Dallas's five-on-three. Suddenly they have a five-on-three of their own, but I think the momentum from Dallas's goal helped them kill that five-on-three, and suddenly um, once that five-on-three was killed – the momentum for Dallas continued, and they eventually took over the game and won. So I just think they were so freaking close to being broken that they got saved by those couple of depth goals, one from a defenseman, one from a struggling Andre Burkovsky so far. Um, so I think they got really lucky, but that's exactly what they needed, and sometimes you get luck, and sometimes luck comes and lends you a hand when you're drowning, and I think that's exactly what happened. And I think now they're in the perfect position me- Perfect mind state that they think that they can get this done They're feeling back to confident again and they know that there is a way to be, to break this Dallas Stars team and more so Anton Kidobin. They scored
0: six goals in the last two periods yesterday McKinnon didn't have a single one after three goals of the first five in the first two games I know he had a couple assists. I know he had a big factor in making that first goal count But that is huge. Belmar scoring, Rantanen scoring, Kadri scoring, and Burakovsky scoring, that's huge. The defenseman getting a goal, that's huge. This is something to build off of, but they need to tread lightly. I I sound optimistic, but deep
1: down inside, I am
0: very, very extremely cautiously optimistic about Game 4.
1: Absolutely. I mean, Game 4 is always so huge. The difference between being down 3-1 and being tied 2-2, I, I don't even need to go into it that much. It's so obviously such a such a big difference. Um, but definitely something to look forward to. How are you feeling about Game 4? Which which direction do you think you're leaning if you had to put money on it? Which which way do you think you would go?
0: Uh, I would I would take the Avalanche just because I think that they have it in them to answer back to adversity and losing these guys to injuries and I would put money on the avalanche, and I think we're about to transition into something real nice.
1: Absolutely. If you want to put money on the avalanche yourself, it's there time to get into DraftKings, and I think it's a good time to do it because right now there are 100 million reasons why you should sign up for DraftKings, and that's because they are the leader in one-day fantasy sports, and they are celebrating the return of sports by giving away $100 million. I feel like Dr. Evil. one hundred million dollars in prizes to all of their customers including one lucky winner who will take home one million dollar cash prize to claim your share of up to 100 million in instant giveaways all you have to do is download the app and sign up using promo code mhs then enter DraftKings free football survival pool yes it really is that easy to claim your share of up to 100 million in instant giveaways and put yourself in the running to win one million dollar cash prize While the top prize is reserved for one lucky winner, everyone who signs up and enters DraftKings' free football survival pool will receive an instant bonus prize of at least $5 in value upon entering. You hear that? It's a free pool. While you're in the app, don't forget to check out all the great odds, boosts, and promotions DraftKings Sportsbook is offering every day to celebrate the week's basketball and golf, not to mention hockey action. So download DraftKings Sportsbook today. And use promo code MHS to claim your share of $100 million in instant giveaways and put yourself in the running for the $1 million cash top prize. That's promo code MHS to get your share of $100 million in prizes only at DraftKings.
0: Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Other terms and conditions and restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. One hundred million dollars sounds fantastic. I'll take the one or the hundred at the front at this point. But I am really excited for what DraftKings keeps bringing on boards and all these promo codes they're throwing at us.
1: If I told you that you could win up to a million dollars and it costs you nothing, all you had to do was download an app and type in MHS. You think you would do it? Absolutely. Why not? Why not? Sounds sounds like a no brainer to me, but. Moving on to the Avalanche star series, it's with depressing news that we got to talk about this again, and that's something we've already alluded to, the multitude of injuries the Avalanche are battling right now. It's really upsetting i think really kind of the toughest part of the avalanches struggles right now is the fact that we were anticipating and waiting for this full health team and two three weeks later we're back to square one where it's we've the got only five, way it's the only way they know how to win it's
0: you don't even have to finish the sentence we all know where it's going it's the only way the avalanche know how to win. if they're not missing a goalie if they're not missing a defenseman or two if they're not missing two or three forwards they're not going to play the way that they play um But yeah, Donskoy missed the game. He was unfit to play. Calvert is still day-to-day. I know Donskoy is also day-to-day. Grubauer and Johnson are going to be out for an extended time. Bednar has made that clear once or twice already. Now you have Zdorov, who may or may not play. He looked in good spirits in the third period. He was laughing when Knotten almost took Bednar's head off with a puck in the third period. He was on the bench laughing and in good spirits and having a good time. Um, but we'll see. We'll see if he misses tomorrow's game. Bednar did say we hope he's going to be available, so we know it's not going to be a long-term issue if it is an issue at all. Um, but yeah, this is the only way the Avalanche play. But I will say this about the injuries. They've dealt with it all season. It's not ideal, but you've done it before. Having somebody like Logan O'Connor jump in and be able to play a you know a decent game like yesterday is is, is great. Having Knotten be able to pitch in the way he's been pitching in is great. As long as you have McKinnon, Makar, couple of your top guys, one of your goaltenders, you're going to be okay. I will say that until the very end about this team. Last year, they didn't have all that depth and they took the Sharks to seven game against Eric Carlson, against Brent Burns, against Kachor, Pavelski, and all these guys. As long as McKinnon, McCarr, Kadri Granton. as long as you have most of those guys, as long as you have Gerard, as long as you have one of your two goaltenders, you are going to be okay. As soon as you're missing both guys and Adam Werner or, or, or Hunter Miska or, or, or now Michael Hutchinson is your starter, you're going to have problems. But I don't think the injuries are going to be as big an issue. The only issue I have with the injuries is that when they happen during a game, they deflate the bench. It's, it's, it's human nature. So when Grubauer went out early, when Johnson went out early, it's hard to respond from that. Losing Zadorov, it's hard to respond from that. But if it's something like Donskoy, where he plays a full game and then just can't play the next game, it's a lot easier for the team to forget that that happened. You put Logan O'Connor in the lineup and you just go on business as usual. I don't think the injuries are going to be as big a deal unless we see one of the bigger names go out. Granted,
1: despite saying all of that, I would love to have Philip Grubauer in net right now. This is what worries me. And we'll get to the Grubauer point in a second, but Dallas is obviously playing a physical game with the Avalanche. They are trying to beat them up until they submit. You could tell last night when the game was over. Jamie Ben thinks it's a good idea to come up and cross check Gabe Landeskog in the back. Why does he do that? Because he can. He knew Landeskog wasn't gonna do anything. This team is softer than Dallas Dallas knows that Dallas tries to beat them up so if and when they get past Dallas you're gonna have a whole lineup full of bruised and battered guys stop, ya. I'm much I'm like stop you much like Donskoy right there Donskoy hasn't has missed two games already in these playoffs you're telling me he's gonna be hundred percent when he gets back no he's gonna be at 50 percent nurturing and injury McKinnon. and they're gonna limp into the next round
0: McKinnon is not hundred percent. Makar is not a hundred percent. Neither is Mark Stone or any of the top guys in Vegas. Neither are Pavelski or any of the top guys in Dallas. But I will say two things about yesterday's game. When Jamie Benn hit Gabe Landeskog at that final buzzer, Jared Bednar looked like he was going to jump the boards and beat the crap out of Jamie Benn and I would put a lot of money through DraftKings on Jared Bednar in that fight because he is built and jacked like an absolute freight train. But on that note, I am going to stop you right there on the Avalanche being soft because they have been for most of the series. They've been getting tossed around. But yesterday, they outhit the Dallas Stars 72-56. to Read that number again. 70 freaking 2. I don't know who's counting these hits. I don't know what they're watching because I don't remember seeing that many hits. But according to this game summary, Gabe Landeskog had 12. According to this game summary, Tyson freaking Jost in 10 minutes had 7 hits. Valerina Chushkin, everybody's favorite soft Russian, as they like to call him, eight hits. Every player on the Avalanche threw a hit yesterday. Every player on the Dallas Stars threw a hit, minus Taylor Fiduin, a defenseman who played seven minutes. But the Avalanche put seventy-two hits up. Gabe Landeskog had twelve. So when Jamie Ben is taking a run at him, and by the way, Jamie Ben finished the game with four hits—or sorry, five hits. When Jamie Ben is taking a run at him, it's not just Jamie Ben being Jamie Ben, like he has been all series, which. He has been for the extent, but it's the fact that Landeskog had 12 hits on his team. He had a part in one of the goals, obviously scoring. He pissed off the Dallas Stars, and they had to let him know that. That's a good thing to me. That doesn't say that the Avalanche aren't going to answer back. That says Landeskog beat the shit out of you on the score sheet. He beat the shit out of you physically, and you had to attack him at the end of the game because you are pissed. He is under their skin, and that's exactly what you want from Gabe Landeskog.
1: Until Landis Scott, Landis Scott gets rattled and throws an elbow right into Jamie Ben's face. Right, this is the mental fortitude stuff yeah. we're talking about. That's the stuff I agree you with that doing. one.
0: That's the one you shouldn't be doing. And I understand what he was doing. He was sticking up for Nathan McKinnon, who almost got completely run over by <laughs> yeah. Jamie Ben into the into the empty seventh row of the of the uh, Rogers Place Arena in Edmonton. But I agree with that. Uh, they have to clean up those penalties but i do like the physical game they've brought i do like the sandpaper the piss and vinegar as they used to say about how they're playing this game and what they're doing um they're getting under dallas's skin they need to keep doing that if they can win game four and do that again it's a whole new series it's a best of three and dallas is pissed
1: you gotta love how much hatred is brewing on that ice though right now i mean it's so much fun seeing this playoff intensity and playoff fights again you know suddenly you start to hate guys that otherwise you didn't really hate It's just all stuff that you love to see from playoff hockey, so I do like it in that sense, but I just think the Avalanche are getting bullied a little bit, and if they can get out of this one, again, they're going to be limping into the next round because that's just Dallas' strategy, and that's been a weakness of Colorado's for quite some time, and I think Dallas knows that, and a lot of teams in the West know that, and they try to exploit that every chance they get, but... You touched on it, so thank you for that on uh, Logan O'Connor and Kevin Connaughton's play for the day as they stepped in and filled some roles. Do you foresee them sticking in the lineup if there is still the need for them? And um, if Zadorov is out, who comes up and steps in? Or, you know, do you think there's some room for some other guys to get their first taste of playoff action? Jared Bender's going to play
0: the guys that deserve to play on each and every given night. So if Nemesnikov and Donskoy and Calvert and Nichushkin are all healthy and Bednar feels a need to sit one of those for Logan O'Connor. I won't be upset about it. If Kanaten is playing then Ian Cole or Zadorov on any given night, I won't be upset about it. In regards to if Zadorov missed the game, who steps up? I would say Connor Timmins rather than Barbario, just because Barbario and Kanaten offer similar games, so you want to see a, a different twist, you want to see a different kind of player. Obviously, he wasn't the guy to replace Johnson, but I can see him as the guy to replace uh Zadorov. But at the same time, if you're Jared Bednar and you want to keep this defense bigger, stronger, and really battling back against the Dallas Stars, then maybe it is Barbario. But on that note, the Avalanche have more depth than they've ever had. It's not Gabriel Bork. It's not Brad Malone. It's not Cody McLeod. It's guys that are capable and able to play hockey games and provide and, and, and produce for you in the playoffs. And he's going to play the guys that deserve to be played, which is why. When Donskoy was was, was out yesterday, my initial thought was he's sitting this guy to send a message. And then it was obviously confirmed that he was unfit to play. But it didn't surprise me the fact that if he was healthy, he was sitting as a healthy scratch because
1: Bednar has made it clear that he will only play the guys that deserve to be played. Yeah, I mean, we even saw Tyson Jost skate uh, one shift with Nathan McKinnon and Mikko Rantanen. He must have saw something that Tyson Joes deserved a shot up with that line, but that was very brief. That that, that went nowhere. But, yeah, I, I I respect that fact about Jared Bednar. He always does that kind of stuff, which brings me to my next point, and he's been a real pickle with this one because not many options to substitute the goaltender. Um, Pavel Fransuz, honestly, my biggest worry so far going into this game four. I think – Coming into the series, we all were very high on him, but what we've seen from him up to this point isn't exactly the Pavel Francouz we're used to. Um, I really think once he gave up the lead yesterday, you saw a look on his face that was just like, oh, shit, I've let the guys down. Yeah. This is an absolute yep. nightmare. I know that feeling. The, holy crap, I just let in some really bad goals. This is a nightmare. We just went from two up to now we're one down. So luckily the Avalanche were able to bail him out. You even saw Kale McCarr take a second to go over them, talk to him talk to Fransuz and say, hey, man, you're okay. You got this, you know, to pump him up, which I think is a bad sign that just shows me how nervous he gets and how, you know, he's not exactly ready for the pressure of a playoff game. So Pavel Fransuz makes me miss Semyon Varlamov, makes me wonder what would have happened if Semyon Varlamov and Philip Grubauer were still the two guys here. It's,
0: it's hard to throw him completely under the bus and just, you know, forget about all he's done for the avalanche, but it's also hard to support his play right now. I asked Jared Bednar about it yesterday. It was the last question of the press conference of what he's thought of Francis' and his exact quote. I tweeted it out is I think he's been okay. I've seen him play better. He's had some tough saves to make and has made some big saves for us. There's a goal here and there that I'd like to see him have, which is very true. He made some exceptional saves yesterday late in the second period. He made some exceptional saves when the avalanche retook that four to three lead to keep the lead, but he hasn't always been making the right saves. So, if you're going to keep having these six, four, five, three games where you're going to them, win them, then okay, I'll, I'm, I'm all for it because he's making the saves at the right time to keep the Avalanche ahead. But that's that wasn't the case in game two, and that wasn't the case in game one after he came in. Granted, it's hard to really judge him for that game. He only let in two goals, and he came in, you know, the Avalanche already down three to one or whatever the hell it was at that point. Um, I think it was three to two maybe. I forget, but... He hasn't been his best. Hopefully he gets better from here. Hopefully the more games he gets, he gets his feet under him. Uh, As much as we want to miss Semyon Varlamov, who's doing good things with the Islanders, as much as we want to miss Philip Grubauer, who's out, the reality is Fransuz is our option right now. Uh, This is Bednar's ride or die because Hutchinson's not the answer. Neither is Adam Werner or or Hunter Miska, who I think they're working on bringing into the bubble. So it's got to be Fransuz and they they, got to support him and, and do whatever they can to make him the guy.
1: Yeah, and to just support them. Like I said earlier in the show, I don't think the goaltending nor the defense is gonna gonna win you anything. Um, the offense is really gonna have to be the one to carry a lot of the brunt. And if it's gotta be because you gotta you know make some defensive responsible plays before you make the offensive one, then that's how it's gotta be right now because they just need all the support they can in the defensive zone. We're not used to seeing the Avs give up five goals a game, and this Dallas Stars team is very capable of putting up five goals a game. So. The Avalanche are too, but you don't want to get into those kind of games because that's how you let some slip here and there. But I'm still okay with where they are in the series. I still think there's a good chance they can take this in six. So my, as negative as I've been on this podcast, I'm still very much pro-Avs, and I still think that while Dallas is trying to bully them a little bit, Avalanche outskill them there's a lot of talent on the dallas side but there's even more on the avalanche side so i think they are more than capable of digging themselves out of this rut and taking game four and ultimately the rest of the series
0: i agree with you 100 that next game is monumental even if they go down three to one depending on how that game goes i'll still have some confidence in them but it's it's a fight to the bitter end you don't lose until somebody wins four games we've seen teams come back from three nothing thankfully we don't have to hope the avalanche do that because it's only two to one But the series is not over. Dallas knows it's not over. And if Dallas feels for a second on their side that they have the series in the bag, they're going to lose in six. So I'm excited to see it play out. I'm excited for game four on Friday. I'm excited for game five Sunday. And I'm excited for a potential game six the very next day on Monday. And I'm excited in four days from now for us to podcast again and to talk about the Avalanche winning this game in six. Um, But yeah, that's my thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, we just can't see any quit, and I think yesterday we definitely didn't. There was a lot of fight in this team. They didn't lay down. They've had multiple chances to just lay down and and, and take the beating that they're given, but they're not. They're fighting back because they really want this and they they believe. So that's all we have for the uh, meat of the podcast. Let's get to the potatoes here and to the fan highlight of the week. This is our newest segment where we pick one. Tweet I love this from one. one one of our followers, one that makes us laugh, piques our interest, whatever it is. So, Erif, take it away. What's this week's fan highlight of the week? Down one nothing. the Avalanche enter the second period.
0: Nikita Zadorov scores a goal, sets up another. It is two to 2-1 Avalanche. The series has new life. The game has new life, and the Avalanche have depth scoring. That's the background of this, of this tweet. I tweeted, suddenly Zadorov has a goal and assist. Shout out to this guy because he's always been supporting me on Twitter. He always likes and retweets and has conversations with me. But it's Meeks, M-E-E-Q-S, at Meeks. When the Avs needed depth scoring, they went capital D-E-E-P, LOL. They did. Zadorov is the last guy in the world that we thought would be the guy to break the Avalanche's depth out of their scoring funk. But that tweet made me laugh. He got 11 likes for it. Shout out to Meeks. He's uh, Follow him on Twitter. He's a big Avalanche guy. Uh, has a phenomenal display pick where it's a dog wearing one of those German winter hats. It's hilarious. Um, but he's a, he's a great follow and that tweet made me laugh. And, you know, we talked about the depth earlier, um, but that tweet sort of supplements it.
1: Yeah, when I read that in my head, you know, I think he did a good job capitalizing the word deep because I read it as they went deep. Exactly. Yep, exactly. (laughs) So great uh, tweet there, Meeks. Uh, I know uh, I get a lot of stuff from him too. You got to love the the Twitter followers that are active like that. You know, I I love communicating with everybody. I love the guys that just randomly comment on one of my thoughts, and it sparks a little conversation. So don't ever be afraid to tweet at us at Arif at JJ of the year. And that brings us to our Mile High Sports 3 Stars of the Week presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Star number 3, I'm giving it to Nikita Zadorov. Not only because he got the the goal that really kind of sparked the avalanche, but the fact that he pulled an EJ got hurt, came back and just chilled on the bench to support his team. And then when you saw Jamie Benn and all the fiasco that happened after the game, who's at the front of the line just yelling their head off? Nikita Zadorov—he's got the heart. With as much as people rip on him around Avalanche land, and Gotta love it. Maybe want him out of the out of the team. He shows a lot of heart and a lot of uh, team player qualities that I think a lot of us underestimate in him. So Nikita Zadorov, star number three. Shout out to him when he was back on the
0: bench in the third period. He was hurt obviously midway through the second. I tweeted specifically that Zidorov is back on the bench. I did not specify that he was back in the game because I thought maybe this was the case, and it was exactly the case. But he was in good spirits. He was having a hell of a time. Uh, Bednar talked about how important he was on the bench and firing the guys up and keeping them in there. And he used the word juice. He kept the juice flowing for the guys. And... Uh, Yeah, you'll have to see it. Hopefully he's ready to go for game four because he really bounced back last game.
1: I'm curious why you don't see that more often in hockey, honestly. I mean, maybe it's because a lot of players get seriously injured when they do get injured and just simply can't go and probably need medical attention. But you love the fact that a player comes out there and he knows what his role is now. He's like, all right, I'm done on the ice I now have to contribute on the bench, and I need to keep the hopes up, and I need to keep that juice flowing. And you love to see it; you just love it.
0: And I, and I like the fact that Zadorov did it. And I'm not going to sit here and bash EJ for it. He was in a lot of pain, but I love the fact that Zadorov came back to the bench in good spirits, was smiling and laughing when Kanaan almost hit Bednar, and was just sort of in a in a good mood the entire time. EJ, you can tell he was sitting on the bench, kind of like straight faced, hurt, upset,
1: bummed, all the feelings and emotions that go with being mm-hmm. injured during the playoffs. Absolutely. Star number two, and that's another guy who didn't hesitate to chirp the Dallas Stars as everybody was leaving the bench. That's Najam Kadri getting another goal. uh, Big time playoffs that he's had so far, and just everything he's bringing to the table. And of course, the reason he got star number two is because of what I mentioned at the top of the show the fact that he's still a vocal player. He felt that it was okay to play some hockey yesterday, so he did it. He did it well. He produced, he scored goals and still took very careful time after the game to make his opinion heard and make all the societal issues at hand be at the forefront of the conversation. So props to Kadri because he does does a great job of balancing all that. Uh, There's nothing to say about his game that we haven't
0: said already in terms of how successful he's been and how big a part he's been for this series. He's now got, or for the whole playoffs, he's now got four game-winning goals out of the seven Avalanche playoff wins, which is just an excellent number um He's always at the forefront. He's always in the middle of this playoff race. He's always has his mind on other things that matter more, which is a good time for me to plug the article that I'm working on today that will be published later today or Friday at the latest of his work with the Islamic Relief Foundation in Canada and the Humanitarian Coalition to raise money for Lebanon after the disaster that happened there. So he's playing the best hockey of his life, but he's still on the forefront, helping out his roots back home in Lebanon, helping out his family and his people back home, and at the forefront of these social issues
1: and part of the Hockey Diversity Alliance. Shout out, Kadri. Absolutely. And that brings us to star number one, scoring his very first playoff goal of his career. Granted, it was on an empty net. Pierre-Edouard Belomere gets star number one, but not only because of that goal, but I just love the way he's playing. He's first on the forecheck all the time, and when he isn't on that forecheck, his stick is active. He's knocking pucks loose. He's making things happen. It's not just him skating 100 miles into the defensive zone and laying a meaningless hit. He's being productive with what he does on the forecheck, and I think his forecheck alone is really making a lot of noise and bothering making the, the Dallas Stars uncomfortable. So I love what Pierre-Edouard Belomere has brought Being on the fourth line, you don't get too much credit, so I know he's going to be so happy to hear he got star number one from Hockey Mountain High this week. He's going to be
0: ecstatic, but on a serious note, he's been awesome. There's a reason why, talking about the Avalanche's depth, we've always been talking about the middle six needing to step up. It's because the fourth line has been great. Belmar, Nieto, Calvert, before he got hurt, now O'Connor, he's been great too. So shout out Belmar. I'm glad to see him score his first career playoff goal. Even if it was an empty netter, he deserved
1: it. And he's he's playing a big part in this game and in the series for the afs. Yeah, like you mentioned earlier in the show too, it wasn't just an empty netter. It was a big empty netter. There was plenty of time left on the clock, plenty of time to ruin our puck line too. So that being said, don't forget to draft don't forget to download DraftKings and other than that, that's all we really have on the docket for today. So I hope everybody goes out there and enjoys Game Four. I hope it's okay on your hearts. Nobody has a heart attack during that game, but and uh, you know it's not as much of a roller coaster that Game Three was. But just looking for Avs wins, right, Arif? Absolutely, I'm with you on that. Uh,
0: let's hope they can pull out Game Four, and we can have a real series.
1: And that being said, thanks for joining with us. Uh, we'll catch you next time. Hit us up on Twitter, Run Right Arif at JJ of the Year. Hockey is for everyone, and we got you.